This episode of Solar Stories is produced by Mouth Media Network and presented by Solar. People are just trying to gravitate to anything that's just not of just the complete opposite, some something positive. We're just trying to find it's it's almost like people are trying to find a light. And, you know, I think with social media, people are just becoming a little more open towards their faith online. Whereas like I feel like a couple of years ago, I almost didn't feel comfortable talking about my faith because, you know, people would either judge it or not accept it. But I think right now people are trying to lead with more love. When it comes to actor Obi Nanwangwo, it makes sense that the word actor comes from the Latin equivalent of doer. His personal philosophy is put positive energy into the world. And this is what draws people to him. Coming up, you'll hear how athletics helped Obi overcome his introversion, what motivates him to pursue a career in entertainment and modeling, the role faith plays in his life, and his thoughts on how organized religion is perceived in light of the current social and political climate in America. I'm George Manley, and you'll find Obi on Instagram at Obi underscore Nwankwo, which is spelled N-W-A-N-K-W-O, and his story on this episode of Solar Stories, the art and business of influence. So, Obi, welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome to Solar Stories. Uh, thank you for being part of the Solar family. Thank you. We're excited to see your store thrive, and and hopefully you'll make a lot of money at some point. It'll be, be another <laughs> income stream for you. Amen. Um, so, like we said, this is a really a celebration of you. Um, I want to know, and I think our listeners will want to know. Uh, hopefully, your followers will mm-hmm. be people that will listen to this. So, I. If you like the episode, I encourage you to promote it. Amen. Um, I'd like to know a bit about what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we start with, you have such a cool name. Uh, it's an African name, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Zimbabwe, I forget. So uh, my name, uh, my family's from Nigeria. Nigeria, so, got it. Um, in Nigeria, there's two main tribes, and there's the Igbo and the Yoruba tribe, and we're part of the Igbo tribe. So what does your name mean? Say your full name, and then what does it mean? <laughs> so my name is Obina Nuwankwo, and um, I just always shortened it to Obi because having to deal with people trying to pronounce Obina, Obina, like I just decided to stay away from that and just go with Obi, and it means daddy's heart. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Did your dad name you that? Yeah, so it was between. So I've uh, my mom's uh, my mom's twin brother. Um, she has uh, siblings uh, named Obi, so it kind of originated from that as well. And then you know, they when, when I was born, they said there was just something about my essence as a as a baby that just poor. You could just tell. My mom just said she just knew I was going to have a big heart, so she wanted to name me Obi, so I just stuck with it. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, were you born in Nigeria, or are you of Nigerian descent? Yeah, so I'm of Nigerian descent, and I was born in the U.S. So Where were you born? I'm in Boston, Boston Medical Center. Oh. <laughs> so are you a Boston kid? Yeah, I'm a Boston kid, born and raised. So uh, what neighborhood did you grow up in? So I grew up in High Park originally, but I spent a majority of I mean, most of my, the nucleus of my childhood that I remember was when I moved to the Canton, which mm-hmm. was the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. So that's about 15 minutes out of Foxborough, which is where the Patriots play. Right, right. Um, so growing up in Boston, which is actually a pretty white town, right? Yeah, yeah. very, very white. Um, what was that like? And then, you know, what did you make of it? Meaning, meaning, you know, I'm assuming you went to high school there. Mm-hmm. And then- what happened? So just take all that away for a minute. Yeah. So <clears throat> growing up as a kid at, in High Park, it was it was definitely very different demographics. So High Park, the year it's I would say it's mostly there's a vast majority of minorities in High Park. So I grew up there my whole entire life, and then I moved to the suburbs when I was about in third grade. So when I was about nine or ten years old. And that was a big reality shock for me just because I never went to school with all white kids, um, essentially. And I would say it was a little difficult at first just because I was – I'm a natural introvert. 
but just because of sports and just wanting to be more social and get out of that, I became more of an extrovert. So really going to that school forced me to interact with people because everyone then the nice thing about going to that school, because I was one of very few African-American kids there, everyone wanted to interact with me. I was like the new kid who, is, who could play sports, who was smart. Everyone's like- Like the who? bright, shiny object. Exactly. <laughs> they're like, they're like, and your name, Obi-Wan Kenobi? It was like, oh, oh my I'm God. Oh, I'm sure you got that yeah, so yeah. I just got a lot of attention as a kid, um, especially when I first moved there. So it was, uh, it was, it was very welcoming, but I definitely- dealt with struggles uh as um going through those schools especially as we grew older when you know competition starts to become more intense with schools with sports and i would say people would try to put me down like when um i just to fast forward to high school when i in high school when i got into boston college and a bunch of other schools kids use kids would say oh you only got into bc because you were black they would never attribute it to athletics or me doing good in school they're just like oh they needed to hit a quota and that's why ob got in and that's why we all didn't get in wait a minute you were you were an athlete you were on their track and field team so mm -hmm. how is that even true yeah well you know you got recruited right so I was get I was getting recruited, but I got an academic scholarship to oh, go okay, there. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't pay for school at all? I saw I it was it covered about three quarters. Yeah. So um And what what was the so the academic scholarship was based around what your grades and your SATs or something? Yeah, or? so it was based off grades, SATs, um and the track and so the track and field team at BC, they didn't have um athletic scholarships. Got it. So it was another form of, you know, just ensuring that I could go to that school. And were they in the Big East when you were there? Uh, so we were in the ACC. Got it. Yeah. Oh, already? Okay. Yeah, so I think we might have left the Big East a couple of years before before I got there. My brother played at Syracuse, so I yeah. remember the Big East Syracuse days. moved uh, back to the – they moved to the ACC. In, in, not in all sports though, right? I think – Maybe I think I think they're officially now in all they sports. They are in all sports. Yeah, I think they're officially. God, that's all a sports. pretty powerful league now. Yeah, it's yeah. like you have Syracuse, FSU, Clemson, North Carolina. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you went to BC. Uh, what did you study? So at BC, I studied finance, management, and leadership, and then I also ran track and was running uh, my own business at school as well. Oh, okay. What did you do in track? Mm -hmm. So I ran the 400-meter dash and the 200-meter dash, and then I was also on the relay team. So I so did a... you know Delilah, or was that um, – No, I, I don't think I – Because really... she's a 400-meter hurdler, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I did the I did the open 400. Got so okay. she must be really flexible because I cannot <laughs> get over those hurdles. Oh, yeah. I mean, gold medal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Olympic gold medalist. She's amazing. Um, but nonetheless, it's interesting that we've got – you know, two people uh, who are uh, track stars in the family. Yeah, I know. Um, nice. So uh, what was this business that you had in college? Yeah, so it was called um, Titanic Entertainment. It was essentially um, an entertainment business. So I hosted a lot of events throughout Boston for Boston schools. So like BC, BU, Babson, um, Northeastern, and just a wider range of schools. And I would pretty much be working with committees, part of those schools, seeing when whenever they had big events or big gatherings where they needed um, a venue to host um, college students after. So I started growing that and just really started developing a brand ambassador program of like-minded students who also wanted to do it. And that's really how I expanded to other schools and really got to know people. And that was very nice because it was something that I didn't always have to be there because my time was very limited in, in college where I didn't have time to have a, a normal job or go in. Because of the sports, yeah. Exactly. So it would give me that like flexibility to – I could still run my business even if I was in Georgia or right. California. It didn't matter. Um, is that when you started developing your social media life as well? Not, Building your network? Almost not, – not, not really. Honestly, it really started – once I graduated um, and really started pursuing acting and modeling, because I would say in college, most of my social media was just all track, um, track content and, you know, just daily lifestyle content of being an everyday college student. So I didn't really have much of a presence um, on, on social media until I really started putting, like, venturing out into the entertainment industry. It's interesting because Christopher Holland calls, you know, calls this whole social media takeover in so many people's lives, like this walking trademark thing, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, it's part of your modern day personal branding. Exactly. 
So I'm assuming that you pursued the idea of building up uh, a, a online audience because mm-hmm. you knew you wanted to have a, um, a, a public facing yeah career right exactly. right and so explain that a little bit yeah it <laughs> what really hit me was when so i graduated in may of 2017 mm-hmm. and so june of 20 a month later after i graduated i said I, w- I really wanted to move to california never really spent an extended time in california didn't know anyone there i said i'm just gonna get up and leave so i went and, and visited california just to kind of see the area and I saw how important social media was out there. I would meet people and they would say, oh, let me grab your Instagram. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> Instead of your phone number. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, that prob- and that probably happened to me. If I, let's say I met 20 people, yeah. at least 18 of them wanted my social media as a form of contact. And that was so new to me because in Boston or New York, where I've spent a majority of my life, People that it's if you connect with someone, you get their phone number, and that's that's your way of connecting. Right. You guys right. kind of stay in touch through that, or their name, yeah, or their <laughs> name, yeah, not like XO love, right? Yeah, what's your handle? Exactly. Well, so okay, so people were asking you for your social channels, mm-hmm. and then you realized that there was a power in that, right? Yeah. I so re- then, what did you do? So I realized there was a power, in th- so really, I just started collaborating. I really started venturing out going to castings because uh, I said I needed to get on commercials. I needed these modeling pictures. And I, the rest of the summer, I, all I did was collaborate with photographers, creators, models, um, the few actors that I knew in Boston area, and really just try to do anything possible just to put out that content out there because what I had out there was, it was, it was just very regular, I would right. say. And so I really just started pursuing that. So, because I also wanted to get signed, and that's also becoming a big thing with the signed as a model now. or as an actor or both. Um, yeah, for all of them. Yep. Yeah, so that was a big thing with the agencies out in Los Angeles. They also wanted you to have a presence. So when I um, when I came out here, I picked up right where I left in Boston and just started trying to create, and that's really what helped me because all the projects that um, that I was doing, if it was a commercial, it they did really well. I would say my first commercial that was ever posted online ended up getting like five million views Whoa. online. What was yeah. the product? It was uh for core power for ESPN. Oh, so yeah. it was like on and it got posted on like ESP like college game day and all this stuff. So I was just very appreciative of that. And then I just really just started meeting the term influencers in LA. And before you know, you know, if you surround yourself with like minded people, things just kind of just start yeah. naturally happening. Yeah. And you all start promoting each other. Exactly. It's fun. That's, that's really what I'm finding that's happening at solar. The only thing that's not happening is my social media following <laughs> is decreasing. <laughs> so, I mean, it really, I mean, it's, it's, uh, not that I care to be honest with you, but, um, you're already winning. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting thing is, um, you know, how did you know, like, what content to create in order to build an audience? Like, who who told you that? Really, no one. It was really just trial and error. And and um, I'm meaning what? The... Like, you would post a picture and like you'd have followers leave. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So okay. like pe- people will leave. So I kind of became, and it really just took a lot of research. And because what my I started a company based off social media. So. Because I wanted to start that company, it forced me to learn everything about social media, how how to grow a following, how um, just co- people don't realize colors are a very big thing. And um, a color, colors and mood board, companies like YouTube or, or um, let's say, let's just use YouTube for an example. YouTube is red. And the reason why people don't realize the reason why YouTube is red is because red gives a sense of urgency. Right. YouTube is saying, watch this video now, right. watch it now. So if you have... Um, and then blue is more calming and more inviting. Is that why your turtleneck's red? <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> look at this now. Like watching. Well, if I put like when I post this video, people if they see red, it'll give them more of a sense of urgency because think about everything red in your stop sign. Stop now! Don't go past this red like st- stop lights, like sirens, like so. That sense of urgency is very important. And really, I started learning about colors, and so because. My personality, like just like I was kind of reiterating, my name means daddy's heart. I'm 
I'm very uh, welcoming person. So I decide to really make my social profiles very blue and very inviting. So people felt comfortable and not, right. it's calming, uh, yeah. yeah, it's more calming. So really studying the colors was what, um, really helped me the most because it really made me understand, um, coming from the, like the consumer's perspective, how they're viewing me. And I think that's really important in anything that you do because you always want to look at it from another side. And that's really what I challenge myself to do all the time. Well, it's interesting in the, um, in the fashion world, which is my background, um, the seasonal looks start with color. Mm -hmm. Um, the first show of the season, which is always like 18 months out of actual product delivery, if Mm -hmm. not longer is, is P is PV. It's, it's premier, uh, view, I believe it's called in Mm -hmm. Paris. Yeah. So all the designers go and they meet with the, 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 they meet or they get the trend forecasting from Mm -hmm. agencies like WGSN and all these guys. And they, and they look at nothing but color first. Mm-hmm. They start with color and what are the colors of the season going to be? And really a lot of them use the same colors. They end up collaborating exactly. or, or being inspired by each other. Um, or it starts with the big fashion houses and then comes down. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it, it's incredibly important. And most yeah. people don't realize that that's really like the beginnings of design. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's it's true with car making and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, color is important in almost any product that's put out in the market. Exactly. Including ourselves. Right? Exactly. How we, how we dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's how people perceive you is the colors that you're wearing. And I, I, I became very fascinated with uh, the whole idea of colors. And really the person that introduced me to that was my older sister because she does, um, she, she studied communications and branding and uh, marketing in college. So she really helped me become privy to how important that was because, you know, you just kind of, you just think, oh, they just threw that color in there, but you don't realize how you're reciprocating it yourself. So oh, no, it's very, it's yeah. very, very very selected. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What does she do for a living? So she works at, uh, she works like in corporate at Sephora and uh, she helps run uh, the agency that, so me and her, me and my older sister, Chitima, we actually started um, a company called The 88 Agency together. So it's a social media uh, influencer agency. So we represent some influencers, athletes and artists and just a wide range of people. So cool. Well, let's take a break Mm -hmm. and then when we come back, I'd like to hear more about that. Awesome. Thank you. Follow the show on Instagram at solar underscore stories, and you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. So, um, so tell me about this company you and your sister have. So you're, mm-hmm. I mean, you're 18 months out of school, right? Yeah. And so you built this, how many followers do you have right now? Like forty thousand or something. Yeah, about a. 40, so you built up forty thousand followers in eighteen months just by studying the process and like yeah. why? But my question is, why can't everybody do this? Um, I think it's really just consistency and really taking the time out to learn it. It starting starting the com- It all really started off with the with the idea of wanting to start the company and just getting that knowledge. When when I'm telling you, I probably researched so. Instagram and social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, what other, I didn't really uh, research Pinterest or any of that because I wasn't that interested in it. So I really focused on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and learning as much about that as possible. And really when you hone into it, there's just a lot of tricks and all, all like it what? is. Can we have some tricks? You can. I mean, so one one big thing that I realized was I don't was, want to give away your proprietary tricks. That you <laughs> exactly. Sell to people for your business. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, one of them, I'll, I'll just just uh, a simple one. It's just hashtags. Um, um, hashtags are, are are definitely a big thing because that's really how you get on the explore page. And if you use the right hashtags, but a lot of people don't realize you. You can't just throw hashtags in it because a, a big thing with Instagram is shadow banning. Whereas if you're using hashtags that look spammy, they'll shadow ban you and ban you from Instagram for maybe a day. And if you do it again, you get shadow banned for a longer time. Do you so, get told that you're being shadow banned? Yeah, they tell you. So like, let's say you, I open my phone right now and I try to search your name. It would tell me I'm shadow banned. Oh. Yeah. So it really took a lot of hashtag research and 
really figuring out what hashtags matched my niche perfectly. So what was I trying to portray? What audience am I trying to direct? And not only after you use those hashtags, um, so there's this thing that uh, um, Gary, is it Gary Vanderchuk? That's his name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gary. Um, so he calls it the 180 rule. So it's the dollar 80 cents rule. So pretty much with social media, every single day, if you're, if you're, if you, if you're contacting, he wants you to pick 10, 10 hashtags and go to those 10 hashtags and look at the top nine posts. And he wants you to engage with the top nine posts every single day. So after, after the whole day, you've essentially put your two cents in to almost, what is that? To 90 posts. Right. So, so you have, you, this, is this part of your like daily routine? Yeah. You do this every day. So well, it's almost I've, like getting up and doing your yoga poses. It's like, yeah. It's like, how it, long does it take you? Now a couple minutes. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, because you just got it down. Yeah, it's like, and then go on with the day. Um, so you essentially, you're 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 commenting on the on these top hashtags that are related to your niche. So for me, I like to do a lot of fashion style menswear. So I'll go to the menswear pages, look at the top nine posts, comment on those, like them, engage with them. So then after a while, that starts to compound. People are seeing you like, oh, this guy, he's always. On the menswear post, he's always commenting. They they start to interact with you because they see you as a person who's very engaged to their to right, the audience. Right. So it's about engagement. Mm-hmm. And then they go to your hashtags, liking your stuff. And then think about the top nine hashtag in menswear. If they like your thing that you hashtag menswear, where do you think your post is going to go to? Right. It's eventually going to reach the top. So that's that's a little social media trick. Wow, that's that's actually really valuable. Yeah. So it's called the dollar eighty cents rule. So every single day you're putting a dollar eighty cents into you're investing a dollar eighty cents into your future because you're con contacting you're essentially commenting on ninety posts and putting your two cents into it. Dollar eighty. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so that's a little secret that very few people know, but now they will know. Well and and so you just learned about that by reading about it? Learned about it. Actually, I I learned about it by just doing it, yeah. and then and then you figured actually, out it had a name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> figured out it had a That's name. That's very cool. So. <laughs> so, um, so you and your sister still have this business. Mm-hmm. You're both doing other things. You're pursuing, in addition to having the business, yeah. right? You're pursuing a uh, uh, a career as a. Well, at the moment, you're really mostly focused on modeling, right? Yeah. Well, actually, really, it's it's really been both acting and modeling. So these. I would say the past couple of months acting has really picked up. Um, I'm doing, um, shooting two, two films right now. And then I just finished up a TV show. Like full feature films. Yeah. Full Whoa. feature films. Yeah. One's a hundred ten page script and the other ones I think almost a hundred something. Are you allowed to tell us what they are? Yeah. So one of them is called, um, the way we were. So it's about the night. It's a film based in the 1980s about the Los Angeles bus system. And, so right now going on with in Los Angeles is they're cutting the funding for um for the bus systems for kids who live in less privileged areas. So kids from Fairfax High School and all these others or um or other areas used to be able to go to schools like the Palisades, all these nice schools, but now they're not being able to because they've cut the bus um funding down. And so um that's creating segregation because now these schools are becoming majority white because they're not getting the diversity from the outside schools because those kids can afford to their parents can afford to uh drive them to school every day because they're working hard just to just to meet right. uh, meet meets end. Well, and, but I but I always think I mean even in like the wealthier communities of LA, I I always think that they are more diverse than mm-hmm. wealthier communities and others. So, but you're saying they are still majority white. Yeah, it's so they they were doing really well and getting diverse when when the buses were funding because if a kid was smart, athletic from from not so good of a town, he could come to the Palisade school and you know be uh, and really get a good education, good good uh, better good teachers, sports, whatever, yeah, yeah, better teachers, there's more tax better, dollars every, there. Got exactly. It. Yep. So now they're cutting that funding, and so these kids can't afford to be bussed out to the Palisades High Schools or Fairfax High School, any of those schools. So it really touches um, on that and um, really goes through how. You know how I was being an African American kid in the 1980s. So my my character is called Rico, and 
my group of friends, there's five of us, there's five main principals, and we're part of the best dance group. So we like we've been doing a lot of choreo. I'm not a dancer. I was just gonna ask you, you're yeah, not a dancer. I'm not a dancer naturally, but I've been teaching myself uh it and I I, I can do a split now, the James Brown what? split. Yeah, I do it all the time. It's great. <laughs> oh my god. Can we see one right now? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, I'll jump right into it. <laughs> um that's amazing. So, but you're also not a trained actor. So, how did mm-hmm. you? How did you? Other than the way you carry yourself and your looks, et cetera, like, how did you begin to get picked up as an actor? Like, why this movie? Why this film? Yeah. So, really, it was it was my acting teacher, uh, Phaedra Harris. Um, she's honestly that woman changed my life because she really allowed me to really understand what acting was all about. Um, when I when I used to go to auditions, I was acting. I wasn't being myself, and I wasn't booking anything. And then so I started studying with her, taking personal one on one lessons with her, on the phone with her. And she she said the most important thing to me. She was like, "Obi, you need to stop acting. You just need to be yourself, and just know that that's enough. That's what they're looking for, and just know that's enough." And I was like, "Okay, so I just have to be myself because I'd always second guess or think." how I, this word should be interpreted instead of just saying it how I truly feel and it'll be more authentic. So I started doing that and really that's when I started booking. And um, yeah, I and I mean, I take, I definitely, I spend, I'm one of those people who spends a lot of time on scripts. So like I definitely put in the work and I, I always practice in front of my friends. Like I love criticism. So I would say, and I'm just very open to growing, understanding that I'm not there yet. So it's it's all a process. So I think just that willingness helped me grow a little faster and, you know, become adjusted. And I'm a naturally very social and confident person. So having that confidence in the room definitely helps as well. It's funny though, you were uh you were the introvert as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so is there still a a part of your personality that is hidden from people? Yeah, I w- I would say like na- like w- with with social media, I feel almost inclined to be telling people about my life but um really people don't really know much about me they know kind of like the surface like i'm very um i'm i'm a i'm a closet nerd people people never assumed that about me because i was an athlete they just they just saw the athletics and that's that's what really is like that's why I started this business because I like to just sit at home and work and that's why I think I like acting because I don't feel like it's an issue to just sit home and practice a script for hours or days on end, like because I like that time to myself. So I would say that's really when my introvert side uh, comes out. Um, so you're represented in LA mm-hmm. by an agency, yeah, right? acting and modeling, same agency, different agency for for both. Okay, mm-hmm. but then you're out here in New York trying to pick up an east coast agency for modeling or or both um from for modeling right now and then um we'll venture into the acting um i probably when these projects are done because i i i'm really going to be using um the tv show and the films as like a way to like market myself so because i'd rather i could go to a small agent but you know i'd rather um have that connection with an agent especially theatrically that want that just sees me as a talent that they're going to push and, you know, understands my worth, respects me for who I am and respects the work that I'm doing and, you know, and build that relationship, especially because if I'm going to be in LA and they're going to be on the East coast, there has to be that connection and the relationship and has to be strong because, you know, for me to trust someone to just say, yeah, come to this audition in Atlanta or New York or Miami, you really have to trust that person because that's a $200, $600 ticket you're flying for an audition. So I think that relationship is definitely important. So, I mean, you know, I think of agencies like Wilhelmina or IMG or CAA or any of Mm -hmm. these guys, like they they have offices in all these places, right? Yeah. So you're you're like a a notch below that at the moment or? Yeah, so like- uh, I don't really know how it works. That's mm -hmm. why I'm asking. Yeah, like this- um, I I don't know how I don't know if I want to say the exact name just because I don't know. No, no, don't yeah. then. Yeah, but I I met with one of the top agencies uh, this past weekend, so everything's been going well. So I just know I'm going to be on the East Coast. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, so 18 months out of school, no training or experience <laughs> at all yeah. in social media 
acting or modeling. Mm -hmm. And now 18 months later, you've got 40,000 followers online. You are represented on both coasts for both acting and modeling. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm a little blown away by that. Is it, is it, uh, and then of course you have ambitions to go to Europe and beyond, right? Mm -hmm. um, Cape Town too. So it, is it just, uh, is it just hard work? Like, talk to me about it. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. let me, let me get specific. I get through the tricks and the studying and whatnot, how you can, with the right input, with the mm -hmm. right amount of time, you can build an online presence. Mm -hmm. But I don't get how you personally brand yourself and then walk into these big, big agencies mm -hmm. 18 months into it and get them to sign you. Like, yeah. how do you do that? So honestly, I, I would really say it's the power of like man, manifestation and like law of attraction. I'm, I'm one of those people. I, all I try to do is put out good energy into the universe because I know it's going to come right back to me. So really, every interaction is with all an agency is just uh it's just composed of different people who you know who are under an umbrella of someone who's an investor or someone else and really all they're looking for is a connection and you know if you can connect with people and have them like you that's really what because at the end of the day this person's going to be submitting you all day long you can walk in you can be some of the most talented people but if that person doesn't like you they might pass on you because they're just like I don't even want to be looking at this person's picture every day, giving them opportunities. So, you know, the, really the first thing with me was I'm going to make this person like me. And, you know, they might just ignore that I'm pretty fairly new into the game. But if they can see that I'm a hard worker and that I will work 10 times harder than they will, then, you know, I believe that I'm going to get signed. And really just having the thought of no plan B. I don't, I don't go into an audition thinking that I'm not going to get the role. And I think that was one of the biggest humps for me is really believing in it and manifesting it. Everything that I've ever done has been so grounded in my faith and just no understanding that everything that I want in this life that I can have because your reality is real to you. So you can dictate how you visualize your reality. So I said, I'm going to be an actor and model and start this company and I'm going to get signed in LA, New York. Literally, New York was just an idea I had two months ago. I said, oh, I really want to be in New York, and I'm here right now. Like, even when we were talking, you're like, could you come on the 17th? I was like, I had no plans to be in New York, but I was like... Yeah, but you did. You knew, yeah, you knew I, what yeah. you wanted to do. I, 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 knew, I, knew, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't have, a me I didn't have any meetings scheduled in New York when you I did. talked yeah, to yeah. you. I actually yeah, got those awesome. meetings two days before I booked my flight. So can we maybe say that like this incentivized? Yeah, you? this incentivized. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, solar at work, right? Exactly. Um, so, uh, well, let's take a break. Um, and when we come back, I would like to know, um, I actually want to ask you about if you put that, well, I want to ask you about your faith, mm -hmm. but I also want to ask you about if you put that good energy out in the world and it comes back to you as it should. Why is it that, particularly in Hollywood, mm -hmm. why is it that people that really aren't good people, mm -hmm. that don't have uh, good energy, mm -hmm. are also get to celebrity status? So let's let's investigate that a bit. Awesome. So with this law of attraction that you follow and this mm -hmm. good energy that you put out in the world, uh, expecting to get it back mm -hmm. because you should. Um, my question to you is why is it that, in your opinion, mm -hmm. that people that, that don't put good energy out there, I mean, you know, there may be, we, we both know celebrities mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, well-known personalities, mm -hmm. whether they be social media or not, that are, you know, positive in their character life, mm -hmm. right? But then when you see them behind the scenes or in the makeup, you know, or whatever, they're, they're assholes. Mm -hmm. So my question is, why do those people get? also get to the places that they want to get to. Yeah, and there's there's a really good book that um that I'm reading right now. It's called Think and Grow Rich and it really talks about, you know, purpose and, you know, people's purpose in life. Some a lot of those some celebrities or the CEOs, you know, their their purpose in life was to succeed and they wanted to build that business or they wanted to be they knew this greatness inside of them and that knowingness of knowing that you're great is something that, you know, someone you can't just give to someone or it's like you you almost you almost grown with it every single day. So 
with with a lot of people who are just great, sometimes being great doesn't necessarily translate into being a good person. Oh, yeah. But you just understanding that you're great and you're just going to operate in that at all times. So in operating in that, some people just don't align with 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 uh, with your purpose in life. They're on different lanes, different frequent frequencies. So I think. I when when I when I try to understand a CEO's mindset who might be an asshole, he he might just he might just be doing it unintentionally, just because he might just not see you at his level, and he's been he's operating on such a high frequency of just understanding and and want in this life that he's trying to attract other CEOs. He's not trying to attract you know somebody who's lower than him because. You know, he's been he's been telling himself his whole life that he wants to be CEO. So he's surrounding himself with maybe his five best friends. I bet if you look at him, they're all very successful and you could probably exactly determine that he was going to be successful. So in that sense, he attracted everything that he was coming to him, even though he might not be a good person. You know, he pro him not being a good person probably attracted bad things into his life, but it didn't. Sometimes that does. Um, that doesn't uh, deter you away from your purpose, but it's it's hard to explain. And with me, because of my my faith has kind of um, grounds everything. So I've just always wanted to be a good person because you know I'm I'm very spiritual and God has allowed me to just manifest and just live the life that I'm able to be granted to live now, um, just through Him. So it's. It's 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 because that's something I've been perplexed to as well. I'm like, why why does this person get this? They're not a good person, but you know, it, sometimes it goes a lot deeper than that. And I think it's really just knowing that you're great. Because with with acting and modeling, when I was a kid and seeing these people on TV, I always thought they just got picked. I never thought I could do it, but I knew there was something in me that I knew I could potentially do it one day. But there's some people out in this world who grow up in such tough, rigid environments that they don't even believe that they can do it. And so to be fortunate enough to just know and believe in yourself, I think is the best power in this world. And really nothing can deter that. You could be a good person or a bad person, but you know that you're great and you know your purpose. And once your purpose is aligned with your you, there's your purpose and who you are, and you align that perfectly, then you're going to be destined for the road you're going on. So that's kind of how I try to see it. Well, you're right that it is a gift to have that level of confidence mm -hmm. in yourself. And I, it's very clear that you have that. Um, but it's also, I mean, kudos to you for like having that gift and then choosing to put good energy into the world. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that you got that? Like, where'd you get that from? Did you get it from your, your parents? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely got it from my mom just because as a kid, we grew up, uh, my childhood was, it was very mixed all over the place. My, my, my parents were together and then they got divorced um, when I was about 12 years old. And then my dad just- Is that why you moved to Canton? Yeah. Oh, so we moved to uh, we moved to Can because we moved into a brand new house. My uh, my mom, my dad uh, just got like a new job. He was he was doing a lot. He did he worked with the Red Sox, like Usher and like a bunch of other people. So he did a lot of finance work. Um, so he's managing a lot of people's money, and so that's why we moved because you know we were just very fortunate that you know my both my parents were doing well, and then uh, my parents went through a divorce. My dad honestly. Black, long story short, I got up and left and moved to Nigeria, and that was the last time I ever saw him. What? Yeah. You yeah. haven't seen him since? Have you spoken to him? Very few times. How old were you? I was 11 years old. About what? 11 or 12. What? Is, what? Like, yeah. That's... So, like, it was, like, one day I was... And you were sitting... close with him, right? Yeah, my dad was, like, my best friend. Like, we... That's the I mean, reason why I got after. into sports. I mean, he named you. Yeah. So, how how is that... How is that even a thing? Like, but like what... Do you have a an ambition to find him or do you feel like he made his choice and, and you don't want to Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we talked about, I think we, so he reached out to me about maybe six or seven months ago and, you know, we're trying to develop that relationship again, but, you know, it just didn't feel natural or organic. And, you know, I've had so many years to like recover from it that all I, I had nothing bad to say to him. I just said, I, for, I forgive you, but right now I don't want to have a, I don't really see us having a relationship right now, maybe in the future, but I want to focus on me and everything that I'm doing right now. So, you know, I kind of just put put him to the side again because, you know, 
in my mind, he didn't really care when I was 11. Now that I'm 23 years old, and I'm like, oh, damn, you pop into my life like h- halfway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, you it can't, just, I'm yeah. not giving you this choice. Exactly. Time. So after the situation with my dad happened, me and my mom got really close. And, you know, I had so much resentment and, like, you know, hate, anger. And, like, growing up at a, as an 11 year old kid with that, that's a very toxic, especially with other people. So that's how I became even more introverted because, you know, I thought, I'm like, the one person. There's probably two people that I know care about the most of me in this world, and one of them just left. So I'm like, damn, I, I don't think anyone else would care about me. So I that's really when I started to becoming so enclosed as being an introvert. But then my mom really brought me out of it. She she just said, Obi, like if you just if you lead with love and always lead with love and being positive, anything that's I I know the situation with your dad's tough, but I can promise you that your life will be 100% better starting from today. And that was a really hard concept to wrap my mind around. I'm like, no, how's it going to be better? Like, dad was like, for the lack of a better word, the shit. Like, we could go to... The man. Yeah, we went to all the Patriots, Red Sox, like, Bruins games, like, box seats. I'm I'm like, life was, like, amazing. Now it's just, like, changed. So I really, I really force myself to think positive and you know when you just continuously doing it and you're in the, when your life changes so drastically like we lost we lost our house like we lived in um like a very like one of the nicest houses in our town and we walked and the next day i was living in a hotel with my four with my with my siblings and my mom and i'm just like there's four of you yeah so there's including four your t- mom yeah oh no so there's three i have a brother named chudubam uh Little sister named Chidera, and then my older sister named Chinema, and then my mom's name's Chama. <laughs> so you all have Nigerian names. Mm-hmm. Are your parents both from Nigeria? Yeah, they're originally. Both from, okay. Yeah. So he went home essentially. Yeah. Dad. Exactly. Was he going back to be with his no, family? Was he it, going back to chase a woman? Like it was just. How do you more, leave a career? I mean, it's a, dealing with Usher and all that. How do you leave a career like that and a family like that and just take off? Yeah, it was it was mostly because there was a lot of legal stuff. Um. So with 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 that, so he pretty much. T- um, Pretty much with with everything that was happening with the house and the, the divorce, I just think it was a little overwhelming for him. So he just didn't even want to be in the States and to deal with that. And so, you know, then the United States has no jurisdiction of him being in Nigeria, so they can't do anything. Oh, he so. was a dual citizen? Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have faith. Mm-hmm. Clearly your mother has faith. Yeah, my mom, like... Whew, she has like infinite faith, and I... <laughs> so is your faith? Uh, is it? Is it? Do you follow a formal religion? Like, mm-hmm. are you, what's your religion? Yeah. So we, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, my mom's like Christian Protestant, um, so it's kind of like a mix of that. But really, um, it's just mostly just. I'd even really def. Sometimes I don't even really define it when I I just say, I just believe in God and I just love reading the scripture and just like, you know, praying. So whatever that is, I'll take it. So that's really how I see everything. Makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, The, uh, do you have a church right now? Yeah. So I go to a church in Hollywood. Um, It's called One Church LA. And then I go to church home in Beverly Hills. It's um, so they have one, they have like Wednesday night services. So I go on Wednesday and Sunday. Is that usually. the one where Puff Daddy goes? But yeah, he was, yeah. he was there last week. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they're both evangelical basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny that the, I've met more people and I grew up in the Catholic church. So I grew up, I grew up in a church based home, mm-hmm. um, but I've met more people with faith that I find to be interesting and basically of the same value set that I have mm-hmm. that I want to be connected to like you. Exactly. Um, re- more recently, like you as well, more recently in my life mm-hmm. than at any other point in my life. Yeah. Do you feel like um, a faith-based life is becoming something that is more prominent in our society than yeah. it used to be? I, I definitely think so, just because I think right now we're kind of in really this realm of there's just so much hate in this world where people are just trying to gravitate to anything that's just not of just the complete opposite, some something positive or just trying to find it's, – it's almost like people are trying to find a light. And, you know, I think with social media, people are just becoming a little more open 
towards their faith online. Whereas like, I feel like a couple of years ago, you know, if I almost didn't feel comfortable talking about my faith because, you know, people would either judge it or not accept it. But I think right now people are trying to lead with more love. Um, and I think, um, especially with the administration that's going on right now, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely been like a shift, um, not only in the African-American community, but in just a wide range of communities. And I think faith has really been the way that people are trying to find a common ground to just join and unite together and, you know, really just just really try to become one for the best so we can just progress and move past this. And, you know, that's really how I'm seeing it as because this ch- the church I go to on Wednesdays, you can't even get a seat sometimes. And this is in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. I'm like, damn, this the kids are filling up a theater. Well, like, a lot of great churches are yeah, like that. I mean, exactly. if it's a good church, it, mm-hmm. it, no matter where it, I mean, like the Times Square church is like that. It's hard exactly. to find a seat exactly. when they have a good speaker and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And I, and I just find that fascinating because I didn't see that as a kid growing up. It wasn't cool to go to church. Like, so now the fact that that's like changed, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a very interesting dynamic. And, you know, I just think people are feeling a little more comfortable being vocal. Well, it's interesting that you talked about the administration because he, I agree, is toxic and septic and all the above. But, um, but he has tried to align himself with the evangelical community. Mm-hmm. And you're saying that the members of your church really are not trying to absorb that negativity, mm-hmm. right? Is that true? Yeah, um, because I think just um, like not even to like dive into politics that deep, but, you know, he just per, just almost perpetuating like that hate is good, like to – to to look down on someone else because of their race is okay, or to think that you're better or less than someone is, is okay. I don't think that's okay at all because you know at the end of the day we're all brothers and sisters. God created us in His eye and His image, so we're all going to be different. And those differences is really what makes us greater at the end of the day. But some people fail to see that they're constantly comparing themselves to other people, and you know, and I think that comparison is just really what what what. Um, what makes people, you know, really not fall in love with themselves instead of seeing, um, seeing someone with nice cars, nice shoes, like, uh, you, you can, you can, you can see them big. Oh, like they have all this nice things, but don't be envious of them. Understand that what God has given you is for you. And that could be you at the end of the day. And before you know it, that could be you tomorrow. So don't be envious of someone. Just, if you see someone like that, just be like, thank God, because I know he's going to give that to me if I truly want that in my life. And, you know, that's just how I try to think of it and try not, and I'm just, you know, always just trying to think more positive in the situations because it's, it's, it's hard in uh, Los Angeles because there's so much competition and you walk into, I walk into audition rooms where there's 30 guys who look like me and, you know, it's sometimes hard to not compare yourselves, but when you understand who you are and know that you are enough and you're you and your purpose is always going to align with what you want in this life, then you don't need to compare yourself to anyone because you know that you're good enough. So that's how I try to think of it. <laughs> oh my God. I want to ask another question because that's a perfect ending. Um, I know you celebrate the good energy on mm-hmm. on your social sites, but do you ever like protest the bad energy? I don't see that as much on your... Yeah, I, w- I would say when I, I honestly almost rejoice when bad things happen in my life just because I know when I have a setback that something great's about to come in my life. And, you know, some of the most successful people have like Edison and they, they like I would, Edison, he's at, in uh, this book that I'm reading, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It right. talks about Edison's first assistant. And his assistant knew he wanted to be Edison's assistant when he was like eight or 10 years old. That He aligned what? everything he did in his life with the purpose of working for Thomas Edison. He didn't care about anything else. There was no plan B. And he talks about just all these setbacks, but understanding that when you have a setback and when you're so deep and down, the only way you can go is up. So you know something's good. Like when when you've just been down so far deep in your life, um, that's at those moments I know something great's gonna happen in my life. So I actually very cognizant of when bad things happen because I'm like, oh damn, this has been a bad week. That means next week's gonna be pretty good then. Like if this week, I mean this week was bad. Even if next week's bad, 
I know maybe in a month or two or three months that it's going to be gonna a really pop. good month. So that's just how I try to think of it. And, you know, I, 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 I do praise, you know, the, the, um, like my setbacks, you know, I think when I first got out here, what gravitated a lot of people towards me was because of how authentic I was. I wasn't afraid to say, you know, I'm going through these struggles in Los Angeles, but I'm still pursuing. I'm still going to try to be an actor. People are like, oh, you're an actor? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what have you been in? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not an actor. Exactly. It doesn't mean I'm not an actor because, you know, eventually I will be in something because right now I'm down. There was times. Oh, over... please. It's 18 months. <laughs> 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 and and you're already, you've already been in stuff. Like how long did it really take you before you're actually in something? Like for commercial a month after I graduated. Oh my god! So you you had that problem for one month. I do not feel sorry for you. Um, that's amazing. Um, so Obi, I'd like to know uh, two things. Um, how can we get a hold of you? Yeah. And um, uh, what type of people are you looking uh, to hopefully get a hold of you? Yeah. So to get a hold of me, you can uh, reach me on Instagram. So my email and contact information is all in there. So uh, my Instagram is Obi underscore n-w-a-n-k-w-o so it's ob underscore nuwankwo no it's a little confusing but i'll say it one more time just so you got it <laughs> o-b-i underscore n-w-a-n-k-w-o and honestly really anyone can contact me um i'm 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 a very open person and you know i'm always willing to help because I wouldn't be where I am right now if other people didn't extend themselves out to me. So I always want to be a vessel to help anyone else, whether it's just advice, you know, on acting, modeling in the industry, or just life advice. You need something to just pick you up and motivate you. I love doing that because I know if I can extend and empower someone else to me, you know, they're going to be able to do that for someone else. And then it's just like a compounding, it's like compound interest when you think about finance. Right. It just keeps on rolling back into this world and imagine if everyone in this world could do that, we'd be living in an amazing place. So that's just how I try to think of it. So anyone can contact me. Um, but brands, especially you can contact me at any time. <laughs> Always looking to work, but yeah. Well, Obi, thank you so much for thank your you. time today. Uh, I know you've got important business here in New York. I wish you the best of luck. If there's thank any you. way we can support you or I can support you, we will. You know that, I thank hope. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we, uh, we love you. Thank and, you. Uh, you and, guys too. And thank you for for joining me in this lovely conversation today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed myself. So thank you. God bless. Thank you. God bless as well. See, I love that. See, now we're gonna have a great day. <laughs> That's it for Solar Stories. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back next time for another great guest and another great story on the art and business of influence. I'm George Manley. This is where the story starts. We can't wait to hear yours. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. You can find more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2019, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening.